0: So, good morning. Uh, it's good to be uh, with you again. And uh, I don't know how, we've, we've heard it, we've been asked several times this morning, and we've prayed at different times this morning about our week and how it's been and what's gone on and uh, whatever we bring um, this morning. I'm just aware that, you know, we can at any time feel squeezed by life. And, um, you know, we go through ups and downs and hardships, and yet, you know, we pray and we seek uh, the Lord's kingdom, and yet, We look around and we see and we hear images and we see stories in our news and headlines from around the world that make us wonder, well, who's winning and and what's going on? And Lord, uh, where is your justice? And we don't even have to go that far away. I mean, it's in our own homes, uh, in our own neighborhoods and communities that we're aware of hurts and disappointments that all of us uh, experience and go through from time to time. And praying, and we're waiting, and we're doing our best, and we're we're crying out to the Lord. Uh, we want to follow Him. We want to be faithful, and let and yet at times, squeezed by life, we can feel pretty crushed. So we wonder what's going on. Maybe that's the cry, Lord. What, what what's going on? Like, what is happening? When? When will this end? Are we going to survive this? Am I going to get beyond this? Is my family going to get past this? Can I trust you? And will I ever find peace? And so I really, I just want to start out with the with the only thing that you need to take away this morning, and we can talk about how we can come to this conclusion as as we listen, but. I think the Lord's word to us this morning is that wherever you are and whatever situation you may find yourself in today, however impossible or bad that situation may appear to you, Jesus has made a way for you. And what awaits you beyond this trial, beyond whatever circumstance or battle you are facing, what awaits you is worth the fight. Wherever you are and whatever it is you're facing, whatever impossible situation, the Lord would remind you that there is more happening here than may appear. And how can we say this? How can I stand and say this with such confidence? It's because what Norman's just read to us is we read it in his word. This is part of our series, One Lord, One Church, One Mission, looking through the book of Revelation, understanding what does it mean to follow Jesus. And we know that it's written to a specific people in a specific circumstances, particular time, in this case, Christians living under the tyranny of Rome. But it's, it comes to us as a book of encouragement. It's an opportunity for us to see our present reality in the light of what is unseen and yet no less real. See, Revelation is a book that is about unveiling what is unseen to remind us that not everything is as it seems. And yes, there is unfamiliar language and there are images and symbols, but what Revelation brings to us is nothing that we haven't received from the rest of the Word of God, but what we receive, we receive in a different way. We see it from a different viewpoint. So as we come to chapter 7, I'd asked if Norm would read just the end of chapter 6, um, and actually just the end, because chapter 6 is pretty heavy. It's a, this is a heavy chapter, and often if, you know, we'll skip past it. It's like, oh, who can? This is heavy stuff. You know, we've, we've been transported in, in chapter 4 to the, the throne of heaven and we've, we've seen the, the lamb who was slain take the scroll worthy to take and to open uh, the seals. And in chapter 6, John watches the lamb as he opens first the seal and the second seal and the third and the fourth uh, and the fifth and the sixth. And each one in turn unleashes War and death and exploitation, and we see injustice and famine and disease and martyrdom. And in the last few verses, we see the unraveling of creation itself. The earthquake, the sun became black as sackcloth, the moon became like blood, the stars fall from the sky to the earth, fig trees shed its winter fruit shaken by the gale. The sky vanished. And then we read in 15 the kings of the earth and the great ones, the generals, rich and powerful, everyone, slave, free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks, calling out to the mountains, Hide us. For the great day of wrath has come. Who can stand? Who can stand? And that's the question. That's the question that we might ask, like, can I, can I stand this? Can I? This, is the, this is the word that John would want to bring to us, that the Lord would want to bring to us, that who can stand as a word of encouragement that whatever we are going through, whatever situation, whatever circumstance, Jesus has made a way for us. So I think what's written in chapter six doesn't sound like what we signed up for. Like, ugh. You know, if I'm, if I'm following you, Jesus, why do I have to go through all of this stuff? I mean, I'm doing this. Don't I get that? And yet we see too often good and godly men and women and children suffering through sickness and disease, through premature death death of those we love who are dear to us. We see injustice. We experience betrayal. We are victims of deceit. We, we, we suffer, like many, broken relationships. And so if your week has felt like a battle, the news is it's because it is. If it feels like a battle, it's because it is. Because since the coming of Jesus, since his, his birth, his life, His ministry, death, resurrection, ascension, since the Spirit has been poured out, the kingdom of God is coming and has come. And what we see as the kingdom comes is a clash of kingdoms. We pray, don't we? Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to extend your kingdom in our city and around the world. Use me, use us in our neighborhoods but when we seek the extension of God's kingdom, when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, kingdoms collide. As evil tries to assert itself against the rule and the reign of God. And this is what we see written here. So we ask again, who can stand? Are we going to make it? Can we? Is it possible that in the midst of all this that we can find peace? in such tribulation, or, or what that word means, of such crushing pressure. And actually, so what we read here of what John sees and hears in chapter 7, it's what he, it's what he hears next. It's not what happened next. Actually, all of that we read here in, in, in chapter 7 is what happens before chapter 6. It's what happens before the seals uh, are opened. Before the terror is unleashed, John sees four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to the the covering of the whole earth that no wind might blow on earth or sea or any tree. And then he goes on to say, he saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, what does it mean to be sealed by God? Well, in Old Testament secular culture, slaves were sealed on their foreheads. The name of their owner was branded on their foreheads. It was a a mark of ownership, and it was visible to all. Although John doesn't explain the meaning of sealing here, we see it later in Revelation 14, he does say that those who are sealed have the name of the Lamb and His Father on their foreheads. foreheads. It's not literally that we have Jesus and Father God on our foreheads, but it's His character, His personality, His name being imprinted into our being. So in other words, to be sealed with the seal of the living God is to have His character and personality written into our hearts, and into our minds. So this is what Paul is talking about when he reads, when we read through Ephesians. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And later on in Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And later in 2 Corinthians, it's God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who also has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. See, in Jesus, we are sealed and set apart. We're not spared the tribulation, but we are secure in it because we're sealed by God. Jesus said, In the world you will have Tribulation, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so again, in answer to the question of those that cry out, who can stand? We see John provide an answer. Those who have been sealed by God. And who are they? John writes, I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Now, here's the thing. When we come through Revelation and this genre of writing that we know that we don't take the numbers literally. This is not like a, a historical, statistical number that we're reading, but it's full of symbolism. It's not a literal number, and neither is this a literal tribe that John is describing. 144,000 seems a very tidy number, and it is, because it, it, it represents 12,000 from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Well, And in this apocalyptic genre, numbers matter. And 12 is significant. It represents the 12 tribes, but also we might see the 12 apostles. And so representing God's covenant community. God's covenant community and that community that was intended uh, for the Jews, not intended for the Jews alone, but through the Jews for all that would call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And beyond that, we have 12 times 12 times 10 times 10 Times 10. 10 is a symbol of completeness, of divine perfection. So 144,000, 12 times 12, so God's covenant community, times 10, divine completion, times 10, even more. And this is a very big number. So God's purpose, God's, God's plan has been fulfilled. His covenant, His covenant community has been extended and this is a very big number. It is a, a complete number, a number so big that it can't be counted. This is not a literal number. It's not a literal tribe. But John writes, every tribe of the sons of Israel. How, how many of you, when Norm was reading that, thinking, "Oh, what a shame we couldn't have just skipped over the genealogy. It's like, oh, Do we have to read through all of those? And, and you know, maybe some of us, some of us, as we're reading through our Bibles in the year and we're doing our reading plans, we might get to those chapters and we think, oh, this is going to be a quick one. Because <laughs> it's just like, oh. It's all right. But this one, actually, if we skip through it, we're going to miss something very significant that John wants us to understand, that the Lord wants us to understand as he's revealing um, to John. Because what's happened here is we see a genealogy written in a way that we don't see anywhere else. This is unique. We see it here in Revelation. John has reordered the list. Jesus has reordered the list. Normally you would start, and everywhere else we would see through the Old Testament, we start with Reuben. But who do we start with? Judah. Why do we start with Judah? Because the Messiah came from Judah, the Lion of Judah. Jesus comes first. Jesus always must come first and because jesus has come the nature of israel of god's chosen people has changed and then you look down you look down these you oh hang on a minute oops so have you ever been to like if you have kids i mean i'm amazed with people who have more than like two kids one for each hand but you still have more when you get home. I mean, I, I only have two, and sometimes it's a struggle. But I, you know, we so far so good. But you have more. You have more. Like, what? Do you, it's easy to forget them and lose them along the way. I wonder if this is what has happened, right? Because where's Dan? Like, where's Dan? He's not in there. He's not. He's not listed in here. But and he's been replaced. We get Manasseh. Who's Manasseh? Manasseh was Joseph's son, who was born. To buy his Egyptian wife. What do we know about Dan? Dan was, Dan was notorious. The tribe of Dan, they were leading the northern kingdom into apostasy, idolatry. And amongst God's people, there can be the worship of no other gods but the Lord God, the one true God. There is no place for any other than the one true God. And more than that, we see others that have been moved up the list, right? They've been promoted. They were sitting in the dark end of the table. They've been pulled up. We read <laughs> about Gad and Asher and Natalie, usually the, the last and the least. Why? Right? Where did these guys come from? Where did these tribes come from? These were the offspring. Remember the battle between Leah and Rachel, Jacob's wives, do you remember that that story where where you know they, they, he's sort of hoodwinked and he works for seven years and he wants to marry Rachel? It's like, whoop, there she is. It's like, this isn't Rachel. He has to do another seven years and then he gets married to Leah. But he loved Rachel. And the Lord sees Leah and, and, and blesses her because he sees her, her sadness of heart. And, and so she gives birth to Reuben and and and, uh, and her sons. And so and so Rachel is like. Right, it's on. And so what does she do? She brings in her concubine. And here are the children born from Leah and Rachel's concubines. These are, these are the offspring of, these are the, like the illegitimate children of prostitutes who are now numbered amongst God's people. Who can stand, is the cry. And the answer is, well, this list now has changed because it includes foreigners and, and half breeds and illegitimate children of prostitutes and the last the least, the broken book. He came for such as these. This this is our genealogy. This is where we are grafted. This is where we see our story in this. Who can stand even the last and the least? The foreigner, the outcast, the sinner, you and me. Because we've been sealed by God and and stand in victory. And we read on as they stood uh, waving branches. They stand before the throne clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. A sign of victory before the throne and the Lamb. John heard 144,000. And then as we read on, after this, I looked and behold... A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What is it we're seeing here? We're seeing God's promise. We sang. All your promises are yes and amen, Lord. I want to trust in your faithfulness. We see God's faithfulness here. His promise to Abraham in Genesis, in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. All your offspring shall, of your offspring, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. This promise fulfilled through Jesus that all may come and all may declare that salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. But who are they? One of the elders says to John, go on then, who's this? And John says, well, you know, surely. And the elder replies, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. You see, to be sealed by God is to be washed in the blood of the lamb. That's the means by which we can stand. You see, we read this, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Not that they got away from it or they escaped it, they came out of, they're coming out of, they went through it. We're not spared, the church is not spared tribulation, the great tribulation, but we are secure in it. We can stand in it. That's why Paul writes in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? And then in verse 37, no, in all things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life, nor angels, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I, with a few of us, a couple of weeks ago, went on a little run uh, on a Sunday morning, and it was the longest I have ever run anywhere. And part of the training on the way to get to this race is there's quite a few long runs on the way. And, uh, and I've been following this training program online, and there's a sort of like this online coach. He's a real person, but it's, it's, it's all online. And he said, uh, and it said, you know, basically, if you're going to do this, you're going to run this a marathon. You're going to run one. You know you can expect it's going to hurt. There's going to, point, there's going to come a point in the run, in the race. It's going to, race actually is probably the wrong term. It's just getting the thing done. But there's going to be a point in this. It's going to hurt. So prepare yourselves when you hit that point. It's, you know pain is coming. You're going to feel it. What are you going to do at that point? And. And I was going to write down on my forearm. I thought, right, okay, there are things that I do when I am getting weary. So I need to remind myself. I couldn't listen to music. I had it all. I had my playlist set. I was going to, it was going to get me to the... I couldn't. I had to concentrate so hard to be able to get to the finish line. And I thought, I'm going to write. I didn't do it, but I was going to write on my forehand. Three things that I thought were going to help me get to the end. Right? There, are all, there are all sorts of things. I thought, more than that, I'm going to just trip up. So the first one, I thought, right, breathe. Obvious but you can forget. Deep breathing, down here, right? That's breathe. Am I right? I'm right. So breathing. Keep breathing, Paul, breathe. Right. The second was, keep swinging your arms, right? Because I know that if I swing the arms, my legs should follow, right? So (laughs) keep swinging the arms, keep breathing, and keep going. And then the last one, squeeze the glutes, right? (laughs) Now, I think there are times in life where we might find that's happening right? But here I am. I've got, to, I've got to finish. I'm squeezing my glutes. I'm swinging my arms. And uh, I'm trying to get to the line, right? Pushing my hips forward. I've got to do this. It's like, how do we get to the end? Again, with the voice in my head, this is gonna, there's going to be a point when this is going to hurt. How are you going to deal with it when it happens? So be prepared. Breathe, swing, push. See? We've heard something I Paul writes often about how following Jesus, this life of faith, is like running a race, right? And how we push through and how we train our bodies and, and, and we keep running. And, you know, we can keep running. We can stand up under whatever crushing pressure we might find ourselves under and not compromise our faith. Why? Because we know that we have been sealed and we are secure in the love of Christ. No matter what else, I know that I am secure. I know that Jesus has me. I know that he loves me. I am sealed in the love of Christ. I am sealed by his blood. I am washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross for me, I've, I've been set free. I'm cleaned. I've been, I've been washed of my sins. When it comes to that final judgment, it's made on the cross. So, I, I mean, I wonder, are there things that we need? Maybe we, could, we should be writing on our forearms. And you may, have, you may have things that you think, you know what? For me, it's this. For me, it's this. You're thinking about, well, my glutes are going to help me. Like, like, what are you going to write down? Like, what is it? That's going to get you. How is it you're going to keep running through the hardship, whatever situation, whatever circumstance it is you find yourself in? And I, I thought, I'm going to write. I, I thought I'm going to just keep it to three things. Keep it simple. And so I'm just going to give you three things, and there could be others, but here are three things that I think we might want to do. Whatever marathon we're running this week, whatever marathon we are in, and it, you know this is a long process. What do we have to do? The first one is we need to praise. There are three Ps here. We're going to praise. We praise because Jesus' blood has washed and cleansed us from all our sin. So his name is written on our forehead. His spirit fills us and he is making us new. And whilst we may be full of cracks, it's actually through those cracks and through those imperfections that his glory is allowed to shine through. You see, we can, we can praise God. We can, we can wave the branches of victory because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And because of that, first things first, if we want to stand, for us to stand through whatever tribulation that life may throw at us, we need to put Jesus first. And maybe for some of us this morning, we haven't yet made that choice. But Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Are we going to receive him? Are we going to receive all that Jesus has done for us? That we would worship him and put him in his rightful place to see him, the throne of God, before the throne of God, victorious. We need to worship, we need to praise. Prayer. Praise. Prayer. It's obvious, really, right? What are you doing? Pray and read your Bible. Well, pretty much. Prayer. You see, but when I, what I want us to think about as we go through this week, if I'm writing prayer on my forearm as something that I know is going to, Lord, is going to help me ru- run through this tribulation that I, by which I can stand, you know, it's not just about getting the answers to the things that we are praying about. My wife, Alessandra, was reminding me of something she'd read at Rick Warren was talking about. What are, you know, the ways in which God answers our praise, yes, not yet, or you're kidding, right? Right, so, but, it's, but it's much more than just, Lord, would you do this for me? I mean, he does say, bring your request, bring your needs before me. But it's so much more than that. And what if we were to understand our prayer as an opportunity for us to, to grow in intimacy and fellowship and to know his power and his presence at work in our lives? You see, through prayer, God invites us to become co-laborers with him in ushering in his kingdom. Things are not as they seem. Jesus is on his throne. And so we say, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But if we're going to pray that prayer, we have got to know that there's going to be a clash of kingdoms. And we're going to find ourselves in the middle of it. So are you ready? Because through Jesus, we can pray that prayer with boldness and courage because we can be confident that we are secure in the blood of the Lamb. We praise Jesus and we put him first. We seek his presence and we need his power and we pray that we would get his perspective. And and we move our prayers beyond our own needs. We pray for the world, we pray for those around us. And what a difference that makes to our perspective even. Make a point this week even as you go, I'm gonna pray, prayer is a thing. But you know what, I wanna seek the Lord but I wanna seek his kingdom in the life of my neighbor. I wanna seek the Lord's kingdom I want to pray his kingdom in my classroom, in my school. I want to seek his kingdom in my workplace. Come, Lord Jesus. Praise Jesus. Pray to Jesus. And in so doing, we find we have a new perspective. We need to allow God to give us his perspective. That's where Paul again writes in 2 Corinthians 4, We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. And then verses 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since we have since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We can stand because we, can be, we, are, we know that we are secure in the blood of the Lamb. We have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And in so doing, we, not only do we have assurance, but it should fire us up. It fires us up that we can live boldly and courageously for Jesus because when I pray your kingdom come and when I'm going to share about your love, there may be people that will rear up against me But Lord, whatever comes against us is worth it because we got these two pictures of what you've done and what we're living through now and the strength to persevere and the courage to go forward and we have the hope and the promise of what is to come. Well, we will stand face to face with the Lord Jesus. And we know that there are going to be times that we're going to hunger. And there are going to time, there'll be times when we thirst. And there are going to be times when we weep and when we grieve and when we suffer pain and disease and sickness and deceit and betrayal and hurt. But we can take heart because in the midst is the Lamb the midst of the throne, our shepherd, and he will guide us to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Who can stand? I'm going to invite you all to stand with me now. I'm going to invite the team, the band up. Above all, remember this whatever situation, whatever circumstance, whatever impossible, heartbreaking, crushing circumstances you might find yourself going through today, Jesus has made a way for you. Jesus has made a way for us where we can find comfort and peace and shelter. And He promises to wipe away every tear. And here's the great thing. When Jesus told his disciples before, going, before saying to them, hey, in this world you're going to have trouble, he said, you know, I've got to go away, but it's good that I go because I have to go to my father's house and I'm preparing a place for you. And when I'm there, I'm going to send the advocate, the promise of the father to be with you. Why? Because none of the stuff that we've been talking about is possible apart from the spirit of God. You see, it starts with a worship of Jesus to say, Jesus, I choose to put you first in my life. I surrender everything to you. And Paul reminds us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. You see, we can't, for us to be able to put Jesus first and to praise him, to be able to pray to him, we know, we know that Jesus has brought us and he's clothed us in white to the throne before the Lamb as victors. But we can't, we can't pray to when we pray to God, it's a work of the Spirit in us. Paul writes in Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all the things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. We pray in the Spirit. We need more of His Spirit. And we stand firm because of the empowering of his spirit. We stand firm. There's a, there was a, my brother often tells this story about a lady that was instrumental in his discipleship and his, his coming to faith and, and as he was growing in his faith. And she was, a, she was a matron. She was like a major, a major in the um, Salvation Army. And she was a formidable figure. Like, but she would say to my brother, there were times she would say to him, Drew, stand up tall, shoulders back, Chin up. You are a child of the living God. And I think the Lord would say to us this morning, you know what? Stand up. Shoulders back. Stand tall. Chin up. You are a child of the living God. And nothing that is formed against you will prosper. If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commands and I will ask my Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So let's invite him now. Let's all invite him now. So I'm gonna encourage you to to open your heart and your hands as a gesture of openness and say, Lord, I know that I can't do this. Or or, or maybe, Jesus, I I want you. I want more of you. I wanna know you. And I know that I can't do that apart from your spirit. So we pray, come, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, would you fall on us this morning? And to receive him, say thank you. Just in the silence of your heart, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, more of you. More of you, Lord. fill us? Would you release songs of worship, Lord? Would you release the gifts of your Spirit in this church? Rain down on us, Lord. Give us that boldness, Father. Would you give us a courage and a confidence that you have formed us to overcome, and you have enabled us to overcome, that in you we can stand. And no matter what circumstance we may find ourselves in, no matter what situation, what crushing pressure we are experiencing, Lord, you are enough and you are with me and you are here. We pray more of you, Lord Jesus. And I think maybe for some, maybe for many more of us than we might even think or imagine, the Lord would fill us again as we struggle with the drive of this world, as we attempt to stand firm and faithful to Jesus. Lord, would you fill us that we might stand strong in the face of temptation? Lord, don't let us compromise our faith. Lord, strengthen us because we know that beyond all of this, we will stand before you face to face. Come, Holy Spirit. More of you. More of you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we need you. We know that we cannot do this. We, we carry this treasure in jars of clay. Lord, the world doesn't need to see us trying to be perfect. It needs to see you. It needs to see us fully charged and alive in you. We need more of you. Change us, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. More of you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to encourage you as, you as you stand, you may just continue to receive as the band lead us now in this worship. And you either you join with the words or let them be sung over you and let them minister to you. And, and I'm going to invite people in the, from the prayer ministry team to come forward as well. That If you want to come forward and, and come before him and receive. And we want to just pray for you. We just want to bless you with whatever God is doing. So come. Come and receive. And pray that the Lord would give you a thirst for more. Amen.